very much. Thank you. Thank you. Let's pray together. We'll get started. Father, unless we focus on you, these coming moments will be in vain and empty and fruitless. So I pray, Father, that as we open your word, that the spirit that inspired Luke to record the birth story of your son, that that same spirit would inspire us as we seek to understand what the birth and the coming of your son means to each one of us. And, Father, again, we just thank you for the gift of your Son. Lord Jesus, we thank you that you have loved us enough that you voluntarily left heaven and you came to this earth for each one of us here. And, Lord, some of us are at different points in our journey with you. Lord, I especially pray that if there are those that are here that have not yet come to know you as the Savior of the world, That, Father, as we look back at the birth story, that they'll come to realize that you are who you said you are. You are the Son of God and the Savior of the world. And I pray for them that they'll receive you into their heart and be changed. And, Lord, I pray for us as Christians. Oh, God, help us not to become satisfied with where we are at in our walk with you. And, Father, help us to daily give our hearts and minds completely and totally to you. So many voices are trying to lead us away from you. And, Lord, sometimes we just simply sit and watch the world go by, not knowing that you want us to make a difference in the world that we live in. I pray, Father, that you will help us to be more like your Son. And when we leave this place today, that truly we'll go from this church to go into the world to serve you. Father, I thank you for every member of this church family. I thank you for these who come so faithfully. Lord, it's not about numbers, it's not about buildings, but it is about your kingdom. And so we just pray that we'll be busy about your work. In Jesus' name, amen. Listen as we read Luke chapter 1, verses 26 to 45. This is a lengthy passage of scripture, but just listen. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin. And folks, please notice the use of the concept of virgin, not only in the word virgin, but later when Mary says that she doesn't have a husband. Listen to this, verse 27. To a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. And he came to her and said, Hail, O favored one, the Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled at the saying and considered in her mind what sort of greeting this might be. And the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High, And the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father David. And he shall reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom there will be no end. And Mary said to the angel, How shall this be since I have no husband? And the angel said to her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you. And the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore the child to be born shall be called Holy. And look at this next phrase, the Son of God. 
And behold, your kinswoman Elizabeth in her old age has also conceived a son. And this is the sixth month with her who was called barren. For with God, nothing will be impossible. And Mary said, Behold, I am the handmaid of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. In those days, Mary arose and went with haste into the hill country to a city of Judah. And she entered the house of Zechariah and greeted Elizabeth. And when Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary, now listen to this, folks. I love this. The babe, and that baby is who? John the Baptist. The babe leaped in her womb. And Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. And she exclaimed with a loud voice, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. And why is this granted me that the mother of my Lord should come to me? For behold, when the voice of your greeting came to my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for joy. And blessed is she who believed that there would be a fulfillment of what was spoken to her by the Lord. Folks, I've said this often, and I want to say it again. I promise you that I pray and ask God's directions for sermons. And I've also told you before that Christmas is, to me, one of the hardest times to prepare a sermon. And I hope some of you are saying, why? Well, how can we share the old, old story of Christmas in a new and fresh way? And folks, I've struggled with that. You know that I'm imperfect in many, many ways. And as I struggled this past week about the message, God reminded me that in reality, the story of Christmas is not limited to December the 25th or limited to several chapters in the Gospel of Matthew and Luke. But the story of Christmas is what the entire Word of God is about. God becoming a man through His Son, Jesus. And Jesus coming to the earth, living, preaching, teaching, ministering, doing miracles, being rejected by hum humanity and not just the Jews, but everyone, dying on a cross, being buried in a grave, being risen from the dead the third day, and ascending back into heaven, living today in this moment. Folks, this Jesus that was born in that manger 2,000 years ago is alive today. And for many of us, and I hope all of us in this room, he is alive at this moment in our hearts and in our lives because we have trusted him as the one who is the Son of God and the Savior of the world. And praise God, one day he's coming back. And what a celebration that's going to be. But let me get back on target. How can we, you and I share this story again in a fresh and a new way? Well, let me share with you the inspiration for this message, and probably it's going to take a couple more. How many of you have heard the song, By Faith Hill, A Baby Changes Everything? If you hadn't heard it, I hope turn to the country station, okay, for just a little while. And I actually heard it on WRAL 101.5. They're playing all the Christmas songs. But folks, listen to the lyrics of A Baby Changes Everything. I wish I could sing like Faith Hill. I'd sing it to you. Teenage girl, much too young, unprepared for what's to come. 
a baby changes everything. Not a ring on her hand, all her dreams and all her plans. A baby changes everything. A baby changes everything. The man she loves, she's never touched. How will she keep his trust? A baby changes everything. A baby changes everything. And she cries. Oh, she cries. She has to leave, go far away. Heaven knows she can't stay. A baby changes everything. She can feel it coming soon. There's no place. There's no room. A baby changes everything. A baby changes everything. And she cries, and she cries. Shepherds all gather round, up above the star shines down. A baby changes everything. Choir of angels sing, glory to the newborn king. A baby changes everything, everything, everything. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. My whole life has turned around. I was lost, but now I'm found. A baby changes everything. Yes, a baby changes everything. As I listen to that song, and I'm sure that it's several years old, that last stanza again captured my heart. I just read it, but let me read it again. My whole life has turned around. I was lost, but now I'm found. A baby changes everything. Folks, the baby born in that manger about 2,000 years ago has changed everything in many of our lives. Amen? That baby has changed the world. And you know why that baby changed the world? Look again at Luke chapter 1, verse 35. And let me read that. And the angel said to her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be called holy. And read those last four words with me. The Son of God. Folks, the baby born that first Christmas was the very Son of God coming into our world through the birth as a child. And folks, before you and I go any farther, I want to make at least, I think I've got five statements written down here that I want to just share with you. And this might take the rest of the time, okay? Do you and I, do we as a church understand everything about the birth of Jesus? And the answer to that is absolutely not. Folks, I'm not up here to tell you that I understand everything about Jesus coming into this world. I understand about everything about Jesus being born of a virgin, living 2,000 years ago, living, dying, being buried, raised again, ascending back into heaven, coming again. I do not understand everything about Jesus. And folks, there's a reason for that, I believe. And I'm not talking to myself. I'm talking about all of us. Look at these words written by Isaiah several hundred years before Jesus came. This is out of Isaiah 55, 8 and 9. And God is speaking through Isaiah. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, says the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts higher than your thoughts. Folks, let me tell you something. 
the rest of my life, I will never be able to comprehend the story of Christmas. But this I know, that baby changed everything. It has changed not only our lives, but it has changed history itself. And folks, the main change that that baby has brought is to help you and I understand that God desires that we know him personally through his son. And God sent Jesus into the world to reveal himself and to reveal his love for us. And that's what the Christmas story is all about. Folks, look at these verses in John 3, beginning with verse 16. And folks, you, you probably feel like this is overkill. You hear John 3.16 so often. Folks, I want to tell you one of the amazing things about Matthew and, 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 and uh, Luke. They give the story of the birth of Jesus. And I'm going to probably say this is later on in the notes, but Mark jumps into the life of Jesus as he begins his ministry. He doesn't tell us anything about, about Jesus' being born. And when you get to the Gospel of John, uh, John just says, before anything was ever created, and I'm not trying to simplify that, we're going to read these verses in John chapter 1, and he says that before anything was ever made, God was there, and Jesus was there, and they made the entire world. But folks, to me, John 3.16, these verses I'm about to read to you, are John's version of the Christmas story. Listen to this. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Please notice how many times Jesus is said to be the son of God, okay? Verse 17, for God sent the son into the world not to condemn the world but that the world might be saved through him. He who believes in him is not condemned. He who does not believe is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only son of God. And this is judgment that light is coming to the world and men love darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil for everyone who does evil hates the light and does not come to the light lest his deeds should be exposed. But he who does what is true comes to the light that it may clearly be seen that his deeds have been wrought in God. Folks, listen to this. The story of Christmas is the story of God's love for his sinful lost creation. And folks, I remind you once again that God did not send a survey team down to see how everybody was living and to see if God's son would be accepted or see if there would be a great mass revival and groups would turn to the Lord Jesus and turn away from sin. The exact opposite happened, and you and I know that. As God sent his own son, his son was rejected. And instead of the world turning to the Lord Jesus, they began to doubt him. You remember that in the gospel records, the writers tell us that even the people that saw Jesus, some of them said, is this not Mary and Joseph's son? That was a slur. Is this not the illegitimate child of two wild teenagers? This past week, as I was going to Durham one day, I was listening to Adrian Rogers, and you guys probably get tired of me mentioning his, his name. He died several years ago, but he's one of my favorite preachers. And he said that in his church, um, after they baptized 
or before they baptized anybody, they would ask a series of questions and said, this young boy had come forward and uh, made a profession of faith in Christ and wanted to be baptized. And one of the associate ministers had said, now explain why you want to do this. And he said, well, I've done my part and God's done his part. And the minister became a little bit troubled. He wanted the young man to know that, look, salvation is a free gift of God. It's not anything we can do except receive Christ as our Savior. And he said, young man, what do you mean by that? And the young boy looked at the minister and said, I've done my part. I've been a sinner, and God did his part. He saved me from my sin. Folks, this is what Christmas is all about. In a world that was bent toward rebelling against God and sinning against God in a world that was bent toward going to destruction, what you and I call ultimately hell, God sent his son. And folks, let me point something out. From beginning to end, the word of God is about loving his creation so much. Folks, it was not to be anything that would shock humanity that God would send his son But folks, you and I must understand why God's Son had to come. In creating mankind a free moral being. Let me try and explain what that means. You know what that means? God gave us the freedom to choose. It absolutely amazes me the ability of a small child to make decisions. Have you ever thought about this? I've shared with you when Rebecca, our oldest child, was born, I could not believe how she could go to the refrigerator, refrigerator, I'm talking South Carolina again, she'd go to the refrigerator and make a decision about which thing she wanted. This morning, before I left the house, uh, Ella wanted something to drink, and I got the moo out, that's her word for milk, okay? I got the moo out and the juice out, and I said, which one do you want? less than 16 months old, and your child does this too. Ella's not any smarter than anybody else. That's not what I'm saying. I am saying within us is the ability to make decisions and make choices. Who gave us that freedom? It was God. That is the way that we've been created. And folks, you and I, as we grow up, we can make decisions to serve God, to live a life following him, or we can choose to live a life of sin, rebelling against God. And God knew, God is omnipotent. He knew that man given the freedom to choose would choose sin and rebel. But God promised from the very time that Adam and Eve sinned that he would send a savior to bring mankind to himself. And you might be saying, well, what does this have to do with the Christmas story? Folks, the Christmas story, the birth of Jesus was planned in eternity before the worlds were created. Again, I can't fully understand this. Go back to Isaiah 55, 8 and 9. My thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, says the Lord. For as the heaven are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts your thoughts. But folks, I do know this. Christmas happened at the time that God chose. Let me give you a verse or two verses that will qualify that. In Galatians chapter 4, verses 4 and 5. And you might not think that Paul in Galatians had anything about Christmas in mind, but listen to this, Galatians chapter 4, verses 4 and 5. 
But when the time had fully come, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law to redeem those who were under the law so that we might receive adoption as sin, uh, of, son, of sons, as sons. And folks, what Paul basically is saying, that the plan of salvation happened at the time of God's choosing. Folks, December the 25th is when you and I celebrate Christmas. Whenever the day was that God sent his son, it was no accident. It was the very work of God because he loves us. And let me tell you something. And this is a side, a spinoff of this. If the birth of Jesus happened according to the time schedule of God, and God promised way back in Genesis 3.15 that he would send a redeemer through the seed of a woman. Folks, if God could be trusted to keep a promise that he made thousands of years before, why do we not trust him that when his son said, I will come again, that it's going to happen? Think about that. If the Christmas story happened as God's promised, the coming again of the Lord Jesus Christ is going to come. And folks, we need to get serious about this. I don't know if we're living in the last days, but you and I cannot live as Christians. You and I cannot be a church and not take seriously the fact that Jesus has come. He has given his heart and his life for you and I, and he's going to come back again. And if people have not repented of sin and turned to Jesus and trusted him as Savior, destruction and hell awaits them. And folks, I'm not trying to be graphic nor scary this morning. If Jesus came as the Father planned the first time, he will come again the second time. And the Christmas story needs to remind us of that. But let me get back to this baby (laughs) that changed everything. Christmas is two weeks from today. And I want to encourage you in these next 14 days, before we celebrate Christmas, I want to encourage you privately and personally and as a family to read the account of Jesus' birth in Matthew 1 and 2 and Luke 1 and 2. And again, I hope somebody's going to say, and I've already answered this, but I want to say it again. I got ahead of myself in the notes. Why does Matthew and Luke give the birth stories only? Well, again, folks, as Christians, we believe that this book is inspired by God. And for whatever God's reason, he instructed Mark to begin the life of Jesus when Jesus began his ministry. For whatever God's reason, God instructed John to begin his gospel going all the way back in eternity before the worlds were created. Listen, and again, I go back to Isaiah 55. I do not fully understand this, but listen to these verses in John chapter 1, verses 1 through 3. Listen to this. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Now, who is John talking about? He's talking about Jesus. Verse 2. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. Folks, listen. That baby born on Christmas Day was God himself. And that baby born on Christmas Day had been with God throughout eternity. 
And folks, another statement that I want to make, it seems many Bible scholars think that between the last writings in the Old Testament, and, and we don't know if Malachi was the last book written in the Old Testament, but let's just use that. Between three and four hundred years between the writing of Malachi and the coming of Jesus were dark days for the nation of Israel. And during that time, the people heard no prophetic verses. But you know what God had promised? And let me point some verses out in Malachi chapter 4, verse 2 and verse 5. Listen to this. Malachi 4, 2. But for you who fear my name, the son of righteousness, and please notice it's not son S-O-N, but son S-U-N, the son of righteousness shall rise with healing in its wings. You shall go forth leaping like calves from the stall. Malachi prophesies the coming of Christ, that God is going to do something that is going to bring great joy to the world. And he calls it the son of righteousness shall rise. If you've got your Bible open in Luke, I don't know if we put if we put this down. Yeah, we did. Let me get you to back up one frame. Okay, back up one frame. In, in Luke chapter 1, Zechariah, the father of John the Baptist, is speaking. That's why I want to encourage you to read these two chapters. I want to tell you some of the most beautiful stuff in these two chapters. Listen, here's what just blows me away. And, and again, I'm getting ahead of myself because I'm, I'm just, it's 930 already. I'll give you the quick version of this, okay? When Gabriel comes from the presence of God to tell Zachariah that Elizabeth, his wife, is going to have a baby. Now, they're parents of John the Baptist, okay? Zachariah doesn't believe it. <laughs> Are you kidding me? I'm an old man. And look at Elizabeth, man, she is old. She can't have a baby. And Gabriel says she's going to have a baby. And, and, and Zechariah asked for a sign. And you know what the angel says? God's going to make you dumb, not mentally. He's not going to be able to speak for nine months. Nine months. He cannot talk. But then in Luke chapter 1, verse 67, after the baby is born, and they name him John, in Luke 1, verse 64, immediately his mouth was opened and his tongue loosed, and he spoke, blessing God. And in verse 67, he was filled with the Holy Spirit, and he began to prophesy. And listen to what he says. Zechariah says, in Luke 1, 78 and 79, through the tender mercy of our God, when the day shall dawn upon us from on high. Can you relate? The sun of righteousness rises. When the day shall dawn upon us from on high to give light to those who sit in darkness and in the shadow of death to guide our feet into the way of peace. I'm gonna, I want to go back to Malachi, which is the next frame, Malachi 4, 5. Not only is it prophesied, before the Old Testament writings stop, that Jesus would come is prophesied that John the Baptist would come. Malachi 4, 5. Behold, I will send you Elijah the prophet before the great and terrible day of the Lord comes. And listen to what the angel Gabriel says to Zechariah in Luke chapter 1, 
verse 17. Have we got that? Here we go. Gabriel says to Zachariah, speaking of the son that will be born, who is John the Baptist, and he will go before you in the spirit and power of who? Elijah. Where does that come from? Malachi 4, 5. To turn the hearts of the fathers to the children, the disobedient to the wisdom of the just, to make ready for the Lord a people prepared. And listen in Luke chapter 1, verse 76, what Zechariah says. And he's speaking about his own child, but he's full of the Holy Spirit. And he says, and you, child, shall be called the prophet of the Most High, for you will go before the Lord to prepare his ways. Folks, as prophesied in the Old Testament, a Savior from God was coming to redeem his people. And as a sign that the Messiah was getting ready to come, God would send a forerunner to make the way ready. Who is that forerunner? John the Baptist, six months older than the Lord Jesus Christ. Folks, here's what I'm trying to say. This was not some accident. The birth of Jesus is no fairy tale event. It is no simply good religious story. The birth of Jesus is no cosmic accident. Now, I'm not trying to be sarcastic. I get so upset when I hear these folks talk about God didn't have anything to do with creation <laughs> and people who don't think that Jesus is the Son of God. I, I'm not trying to condemn or judge them. I'm simply trying to say, folks, if you look through the eyes of faith, that manger held the Son of God. And if you'll receive that baby, let me rephrase that. If you will receive that baby who is the Son of God, who came to this earth as a baby, who grew into a man who ministered, who lived, who preached, who did miracles, who died on the cross and was buried in the grave and on the third day raised again. If you believe in him as your personal Savior, as the Son of God who died on the cross in your place, that baby will change everything. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, Lord, I pray that you'll give us a time to look into these chapters of Scripture in these next two weeks. And I pray, Father, that we'll not only read about the birth of your Son, but, Father, we'll see how this baby changed everything. And, Lord, this morning I pray that as Christians we would rejoice that we have a Savior, and his name is Jesus. And I pray, Father, that if there are any here that have not yet trusted Christ as Savior, Father, we're not praying to condemn them or even to coerce them to trust your Son, but simply to share with them that that baby changed everything in our lives. And, Father, I pray that as we celebrate the Christmas season, Lord, may those about us see the Lord Jesus in us. And in a world that is seeking for hope, oh God, may our world find their hope in the Lord Jesus Christ. As we stand together and sing a hymn of invitation, I pray that if your spirit is leading any here to make a public decision today, whether it's to receive Christ as Savior 
or to come and kneel at the altar or just to make a new commitment to you, I just pray, Father, that your will would be done. In Jesus' name, amen.